Hello and welcome to the Women in Leadership podcast. I'm Angie Mazzetti. This week's guest is Edel Creeley, who's Managing Director of Trilogy Technologies. Edel is a big believer in a simple and powerful word, courage. You know, it's about enabling courage in others. So I think it's really important to um, think about that when you're building your teams or when you're being you know, a role model or you're trying to uh, develop the people uh, in your own business, is to think about that in terms of encouragement. Because often what people are looking for is the courage to step up or to take on something new. And with encouragement, they can do that and they, they can achieve it. Despite all of her high-profile roles and achievements, Idel is not, or rather was not, a naturally outgoing person. So she's often had to draw on her own reserves of courage. When I was younger, I was very shy. You know, I wasn't the sort to put the hand up in the class and, and ask the question. But as I, as I grew older, I felt, well, you know, there are things I, I want to do and I'm not going to allow a challenge to set me back. So if something comes along and I feel a little bit um, nervous about taking it on or going with it, I'd say, well, just, okay, have a think about this here. Take a few deep breaths and just go for it. As well as being the MD of Trilogy Technologies, Edel is also the president of IBEC. And one of their top concerns at the moment, understandably, is Brexit, which Edel thinks will have a big impact on Irish business, as well as the future of Europe itself. Brexit is coming, that's a a big challenge for Irish business. And also with the loss of Britain and the EU, that also impacts on how we engage with with the EU in the future. So there's a very interesting um, discussion and debate going on around the future of Europe at the moment. As well as the big picture issues, Idel believes we have to look at day-to-day concerns that have a huge economic impact, particularly on women. Things like good quality childcare to ensure that more women have the opportunity to use their talents and often their hard-earned education to develop their careers. And childcare is not just a women's issue either. But the fact is we're actually preventing people who are educated who have or who have skills to offer want to work in the economy and yet are finding that it's not affordable for them to do so or perhaps the access to childcare is just challenging for them she'll be telling us all about her career trilogy technologies her family and sharing her top five tips later on and as a special treat she's even going to play her violin and you're going to enjoy that But first, I began by asking her about herself. My name is Edel Creeley, and I'm Managing Director of Trilogy Technologies, and I'm also President of IBEC this year. So you're a busy woman? I'm a very busy woman, Angie, yes. (laughs) Tell me about your own company. Yeah, well, Trilogy Technologies is a company which I co-founded nine years ago. And at the time, our ambition was to become a managed service provider of choice for Irish companies and what we do for companies is we're effectively like their IT department or a partner to their own IT department if they already have one themselves and what we're doing is we're helping enable their businesses by providing them with infrastructures which are secure and resilient and robust and can allow them then to focus on their business and being successful themselves and obviously over the years IT has become incredibly critically important to organizations organizations now expect their IT to be working 
24-7, seven days a week. And, um, and that can be a challenge for organisations if they haven't made the right type of investment or if they aren't actually looking after that infrastructure and making sure it's as healthy and secure as possible. So our job is really to advise companies on the best choice of technology platforms to support the needs of their business and then to um, maintain that and manage it and monitor it on an ongoing basis. So we take away that worry from their business. I think security and internet has never been more in the news and everybody knows they need it but they're not quite sure what they need so is that when they come to you? Yes and there are some very big drivers that have occurred in the last number of years. Um, One of those has obviously been the dramatic increase in cybercrime and the other is the general data protection regulation which comes into play next month. So um, both of those have really put security um, on the top of the agenda for organisations and for boards of businesses in particular um, because boards cannot um, ignore the importance of data protection regulation nowadays. Now it's part of their responsibility uh, to ensure that the business is fully um, risk adverse in in relation to any exposure. Um, And of course data has been exploding in relation to the amount of data that organisations are now holding. So even if you're um, a small business and you're not even doing, you know, holding a lot of um, personal data on external people, you're still holding it on the people within your own business. So GDPR is not something that any business can afford to ignore or to be ignorant of. Um, it is very real and it's a here and now requirement for organisations. So part of our a job in working with our customers is to actually advise them on what they need to do from the IT side in order to protect their businesses and ensure that they're compliant with the GDPR. So how did you get to be so smart and know all of this stuff? <laughs> you said you, you started the company, what, nine, you co-founded it nine years ago. Tell me what you did in the lead up to that. I mean, where is, is your background in engineering or tell me a little bit about your education maybe? Yeah, well, my background is engineering um, originally, so that's what I studied. I did um, a degree in Trinity College in mechanical electrical engineering many years ago. And uh, in fact, in, in the days when I did engineering, um, IT or com- you know computers were only beginning to be part of the, the curriculum in, in college. Um, and we did some computing and uh, dare I say we were actually working with uh, punch cards so it's that far back um, but uh, I, I actually joined a software startup that was one of the first jobs I had and in fact the, the terminology uh, startup didn't really even exist at that stage so we were, we were way ahead of ourselves um, but I had huge learning from that and I got a real interest in the whole area of, of IT and uh, the software sector in in general. So the first number of years I actually worked for software companies who were building applications, um, actually applications for the the manufacturing sector. So it was MRP and and then subsequently became ERP. Um, So I had quite a lot of uh, expertise and knowledge in that area. And then I moved into the the IT more infrastructural side and and I gained a lot of experience and knowledge in that area. So um, when it came to founding Trilogy, um, at that stage I had quite a lot of knowledge around what was required 
from an IT perspective um, for you know scaling businesses and I saw the opportunity in the managed services providing side of things because um, you could start to see that organizations were having difficulty in a lot of cases in um, resourcing this from within their business and it made sense for them to work with an IT partner um, that could advise them and be their trusted advisor we would call it. So in the same way organisations nowadays work with you know they trust their their auditors or their legal firm you know we would see IT provision being in in the same sort of space that companies now look to their IT providers to provide them um, with the expertise and the know-how and the um, the advice you know to keep them on track in terms of what they need for for their businesses because IT is is growing um, in complexity and scale and for organisations to try to determine you know what might be best fit for them for their needs it can be a challenge um, obviously cloud has become more prevalent in the last number of years and uh, in Trilogy we would be um, we would be advising customers on where it might fit for them to to use cloud platforms uh, for their business. So, so there are some very obvious areas around um, backing up your data. So, using backup as a service to the cloud uh, makes sense, particularly as it offers extra protection around uh, your your data, which, as we mentioned earlier, is becoming critically important for organisations. Um, organizations now like to understand well if there's a disaster how can I keep uh, going so again using the cloud for disaster recovery solutions is is an excellent way to go so again we would offer um, advice and solutions and services in that space um, but is there not a danger when people have their data their information stored somewhere else in a cloud is it not then more open to being in- encroached on by you know un- unnecessary parties or uh, unfriendly parties. Yeah, that's probably one of those myths of of cloud computing nowadays. So in in many cases, the cloud uh, is a lot more secure than having you know a server in a corner or a, a data center on on your own premises. Um, but you know the important thing for a company is to actually uh, understand that about the cloud. And effectively, um, when you look at what cloud providers offer, they generally offer you know, security of what they offer. You know, the, they offer you the infrastructure you've got. You know, in many cases, you don't even know where their data centers are. They're so well protected. But what you then put on it is your responsibility to secure. And that's where you know, we, we come into play in terms of helping customers with that and ensuring that what they put in the cloud is then fully secure. Okay, that's a lot clearer. Thank you for that. Um, so tell me just about your own early life and, and growing up. Did you grow up in Dublin? Where are you from? Yes, I'm from Dublin. I'm probably a third or fourth generation dub, which is... That's rare. That is ra- rather rather rare, yes. And um, yes, I grew up in Ternure and um, I'm, I'm like that woman in the ad. I actually still live in Ternure, <laughs> so... Um, and uh, it's a great place to be. But um, I'm the youngest of a family of five. And we all, um, I suppose we all, I've, I've spoken about this before, about how we probably had opportunities that our parents didn't have before us. So um, our parents left school early, didn't get the opportunity for an education, but saw the importance of the value of an education and uh, what it could offer us. So they, they t- certainly took advantage of um, the free education, which then became available uh, in Ireland um, through some very 
good strong policy making I think it was it was the makings of us as as a country um, and uh, so all of us all of us in in the family three well three of us went on to college one did an apprenticeship and um, one went on to to do accountancy through through working uh, so I had my eldest brother was also an engineer which is probably where I uh, had some sense of what engineering was about um, and then uh, one of my uh, other siblings went into um, studied arts and did teaching and then ultimately actually became a television producer in RTE. So an in- interesting bunch of siblings and uh, that were a great crowd. We still all get on very well. Was your brother a good influence? I mean, I imagine when you went to Trinity, there weren't that many women doing engineering or were there? No, not at all. There were um, about a dozen of us in a class of about 120. And, you know, I went to an all-girls school and there were, at that stage, probably less than, probably about 15% went on to third level education even even at that stage so I came from a school where traditionally um, people were going you know women girls were probably going into banking or insurance or secretarial courses etc some went on to be teachers but you know the more um, unusual careers I think you know one of us did one did medicine one did law I did engineering you know there, there weren't as many I suppose role models for, for us at that time to go into the less usual careers for women. But in fairness to the, the nuns in the school, they were actually very um, forward thinking and um, actually provided us with a physics teacher. So at that stage, a uh, few of us were interested in doing more than what was on offer at the time was just um, biology and chemistry and we wanted to do physics so they got us a physics teacher so they were um, very progressive and encouraging and there wasn't any uh, limits really to what what uh, we could we could do but you're right we didn't actually have many role models ahead of us to to look at and say oh look x did this or y did that um, and uh, you know I've, I've often spoken to um, other um you know, females of my vintage who did engineering, and in many cases it was because they had a family member who was already in engineering. Um, and uh, someone I spoke to recently, and was quite unusual, three girls from the school did engineering at the time, and she said it was actually because somebody came in and spoke to them about it as a career. And uh, they all thought, oh, that sounds good, so we'll, we'll apply for engineering. Yeah, you can have a huge influence, can't yeah. you? Yeah. And do you feel that sort of onus on you now to encourage young women in to go into STEM and particularly into computer technology? Absolutely, because um, we know the numbers aren't there. You know, there aren't enough um, uh, young women choosing choosing these careers, and in a lot of cases, they are still going for uh, the traditional careers, as I've mentioned already. Um, and I think um, you know, if you think back to who who are the greatest influencers of our career choices it usually starts with the parents right and then next probably the the, the teachers or the school environment um, and there probably isn't enough still enough knowledge out there around the great opportunities that exist um, in the stem areas so uh, i know there's some great programs already underway i think um, i do believe firmly that that's starting to change now that um, Programs like uh, Coder Jojo, for example, which are you know encouraging uh, younger females at a very early age to get involved in um, you know coding and technology, for example, is actually opening their eyes to the, the potential and the opportunities. So all of these things, I think, are going to start changing the thinking, and um, and hopefully we're going to see more females getting the opportunity to work in these fabulous careers. 
Do you think there's still a perception out there with young women in particular that, you know what, we're just not good at maths and the boys are good at the sums, but the girls aren't. And, you know, how do we need to address that? Are we just as good at the sums as the boys are? Well, I don't really know actually whether that's there anymore. Um, I mean, I'm a mother of of three. My my three are, uh, well, the youngest is doing her leaving cert this year, so mine are more or less through through the system. Um, and I suppose myself having done engineering and my husband is a mathematician, he's actually a software developer now. So both of us always, you know, maths was just something we, we loved. And, you know, there was never any challenge with us um, communicating around mathematics with, with any of our children. So um, maybe, maybe in other um, situations where, you know, young children might be struggling they may not have somebody to help them and support them but I, w- I would think that um, it's it's a it's an attitude um, and it's also down to the uh, probably the quality of teaching so you know a really brilliant maths teacher can make a, a difference um, in the same way that a, you know a brilliant English teacher or a, you know so perhaps I think we, we need um, we need more emphasis on the, the standard of teaching in, in, in all areas to encourage um, more take-up uh, around the mathematics. But, but certainly with the um, introduction of the bonus points for maths, that has brought more people through, through the system. So that That's just really shows you yeah. that, the, yeah, that the, the ability is there if um, just people just need encouragement and, and application. Mm-hmm. But it is, the mathematics is, is a much bigger course um, for, for the Leaving Cert. You know, there's two, two full papers on it. So, so it is a bigger undertaking. And um, I think there might have been a challenge in the past where people were thinking more about the workload than they were about the actual uh, doing of, of the subject. Um, because our system, in a lot of cases, has been very points-driven. So people are thinking, well, how can I get... What can I do to maximise my points without doing, you know, the greatest amount of, of, you know, the balance between the amount of work and the amount of points that they can get? Do you think women bring something different to the table when it comes to leadership? I mean, if you sit around a boardroom table or even take your own leadership role in, in IBEC, is there a different feeling when there's greater balance between men and women at, the, at leadership tables? Well, I have certainly noticed whether it's at leadership tables or it's team meetings or being with management teams or being, you know, at roundtable discussions, etc. I actually really notice the difference when there's more balance in the room with male and female. Um, having obviously studied engineering, having worked in IT a lot of my life, I've been the only woman at the table. And, um, and I certainly notice a much positive uh, difference um, when, when there's a better balance in the room. So I think, I think there's huge advantages in all areas to, to have that balance there. Is that about having greater diversity across the table, like in terms of age, gender, all the other aspects of how people are different? Is it better to have kind of a spread overall? I think it is. And I think, uh, you know, I think the age thing is another another interesting point that you make there, because obviously with um, with age, you've got experience with with youth. You might have different outlook and different energy. and different. So so all of these things um, all add up to having bringing a better, as you say, diversity uh, to whatever the discussion or, or conversation is. Tell me about your role in IBEC. Uh, what do you do for IBEC and how? What do you want to do for IBEC? How, how do you hope to make a difference? 
Well, the, the role in, in IBEC, I must say, has been um, a very exciting one and it's been a, a great honour uh, to be invited to become and uh, elected to become uh, president of the organisation. Um, you know, maybe not everybody knows even the scale of IBEC um, today. Um, IBEC would be representing over 70% of the private sector workforce with its membership. Uh, it has 42 different trade organisations uh, represented as seven different offices, um, six of those throughout Ireland and one of them in Brussels and it's employing about 240 people now. So, so IBEC is a very um, substantial organisation and a very important um, role as the voice of business um, in Ireland and also representing outside of Ireland because um, you know we would we would have a lot of discussions at a European level obviously Brexit um, more recently we went to Washington as well um, and met with many trade organizations and influencers influencers there um, the voice of Irish business it's never been more important that it's been heard um, as as strongly as possible um, obviously, business is thriving um, in Ireland. You know, we're showing great growth, but there are always challenges, and it's important that we're we're always looking looking ahead to see what those challenges are, and to um, you know to advise or to make recommendations or to have our voice heard in how we can uh, you know meet those challenges and ensure that we've got the right um, you know policies or systems or environment in place to support business and its its continued success and growth. Um, because obviously a successful economy brings with it um, a successful society. You know, if we're if we're able to um, you know grow the economy and grow the tax income, well then obviously we can invest in all the important things that will make our our society better. Um, I obviously mentioned education there earlier. Um, that investment in education um, has fallen behind. You know, in the last ten years, you know we've we've uh, you know since since the recession and all of the cutbacks. Um, our investment in education has suffered as too as our investment in infrastructure uh, and obviously there's a great new plan there and it's really important um, that that goes ahead and it's also great to see that it's a long-term plan because you know we need to be moving away from the the short-term you know government to government type of decisions so something like a plan that can transcend a number of governments uh, is is a really important thing brexit is coming that's a that's uh, a big a big challenge for for Irish business um, and also with the loss of Britain in the EU that also impacts on how we engage with with the EU in the future so there's a very interesting um, discussion and debate going on around the future of Europe at the moment and again our voice and um, IBEC has actually presented a paper there um, in the last couple of weeks in terms of what our recommendations would be for some of the important things in, in that focus for the future of Europe. So there are many, uh, so as president of IBEC, uh, there are just some of the um, the issues and the right. challenges and, and uh, the range of things uh, around which... One of the things I was surprised that uh, IBEC, because I was in there recently, as you know, during the podcast, one of the things I was surprised is the focus on uh, the need for greater childcare, because we think of that as a women's issue, but it's actually an economic issue to get, to allow more women to participate in the workforce there needs to be affordable childcare so that we can have more women use the education that they're now having uh, and to use it and to be able to contribute to the economic development of the country. Do you think that's an important part of the work of IBEC? 
that is a hugely important work, part of the, the work of IBEC and, uh, you know, a vast challenge. It's been a challenge for women for, for many, many years. And now, you know, for men as well, because we're starting to see in a lot of cases actually uh, some change now where perhaps it's the men who are, are staying staying at home. But the fact is, you're right, we're actually um, preventing people who are educated who have or who have skills uh, to offer want to work in the economy and yet are finding that it's not affordable for them to do so or perhaps the access to childcare is just challenging for them you know i mean i know what it was like i worked um all my life um and uh, from the days actually when it was 14 weeks maternity leave and i was back back at work straight away um and my husband and i had to work hard to juggle everything we had a fabulous uh, childminder um who continued for the 10 years we needed it um with us so so that made my job a lot easier and um and that's what what you want you know you want to be able to do do your work and not be worried as well about how well your your children are being cared for as well as the affordability piece you know can you still pay the bills and the mortgage and etc etc <laughs> i think it's interesting that you say that because i think all women and dads too i presume they always worry are the kids going to be okay <laughs> and the truth is most of them turn out okay <laughs> With, yeah, I presume yours have turned out okay. Yeah, I think they're okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I know talking to younger women who are thinking, will they give up work or will they scale back? That is the kind of the number one concern. If they're going to leave them with somebody else, particularly if they're not a, a parent or a relative, they do worry about stuff like that. So there's probably another uh, aspect you know, to the whole childcare thing is that the quality assurance, you know, and just monitoring all that. Um what advice would you give to, to women, maybe as well as the childcare? Is there any kind of five things that you could name that you think are really important for, for women in particular when it comes to leadership, when it comes to developing their careers? What would you say? What would the key five things be? Well, one of the first of those things, I think, is to um, have the courage. Um, you know, I, I personally... Um, you know, from my own experience, I could say to you that when, you know, when I was younger, I was very shy. You know, I wasn't the sort to put the hand up in the class and, and ask the question. Um, but as I as I grew older, um, I felt, well, you know, there are things I, I want to do and I'm not going to allow uh, a challenge to set me back. So if something comes along and I feel a little bit um, nervous about taking it on or going with it, I'd say, well, just, okay have a think about this here, take a few deep breaths and just go for it. <laughs> so, so I think it's, a, it's about having uh, courage. And, um, and I think as, as being a leader, I mean, I think if you think about the word courage and uh, you think about then the word encourage, you know, it's about enabling courage in others. So I think it's really important to um, think about that when you're building your teams or when you're being you know a role model or you're trying to uh, develop the people uh, in your own business is to think about that in terms of encouragement because often what people are looking for is the courage to step up or to take on something new and with encouragement um, they can they can do that and they, they can achieve it. I think too about taking responsibility so taking responsibility for um, you know, for yourself and for your actions, and that shows a great strength of leadership for your team and for the people that that you're working with. Listening, I always say, listening is uh, an underrated 
um, quality. <laughs> it's probably one of the most important things that you can ever do is to actually listen and hear and absorb you know what people around you are saying um i think women probably have great intuition as well so maybe listening and observing as well so it's not just what you hear but maybe it's what you see and um not to underestimate the 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 quality and the value of of that skill i think the networking is very important and you know you learn so much from others even if i you take, for example, uh, you know, the, the, my involvement with IBEC over the years. It hasn't been just uh, this year as as president um, of IBEC, but in the past, I was on the uh, board of the Irish Software Association, and I was chair there for a couple of years. And um, there were some fabulous people on that team um, that I worked with, and I learned so much from them over the years. So, so actually, um, and similarly now, um, with such a big role as, as president of IBEC, again, I'm surrounded um, by great people, whether it's the team in IBEC or, or the board of IBEC or um, other people that I meet, um, I, can, uh, I can learn so much from them. So you're always learning. Um, you know, you're never, never going to know it all. And I think that's actually what makes it so exciting about being in the world of work and actually, you know, being out there developing a career is that it's actually, okay, it might be hard and tough at times, but it's also a great, great uh, learning environment to be in. And I presume it takes a bit of courage to do that networking too. You know, it'd be much easier to just go home with your feet up and have a nice dinner or a glass of wine. But, you know, it, I presume networking happens outside of work hours as well as inside of work hours. Does that take its toll as well? Yeah, it's about trying to fit it all in and uh, choose carefully you know what you what you feel will work well for you personally and you know enjoy it and make make the most of it please step step up and meet the challenge when it comes along and uh, don't you know don't be afraid now I know you're very musical (laughs) a little birdie told me you're very musical tell me about your musical talent first um, well, I mentioned how our parents uh, wanted us all to get an education, but they all also loved music. So we all had an opportunity to um, to either learn a musical instrument or, or sing. So violin was mine, and um, I've you know I studied it quite quite an advanced stage um, and considered it at one stage whether I would make a career of it or not. But I decided no, I would make a career elsewhere, but also keep keep the music going on the side and um, over the years I've played uh, all sorts of places I've um, played from string quartets to folk groups to trad music to um, orchestras Um, I now play with the Hibernian Orchestra and we we do some big programs every year we're actually playing in the concert hall on the 31st of May and get a plug-in and we're doing Bernstein's West Side Story so it'll be a fabulous um, uh, concert to come along to and we also have John O'Connor playing a Beethoven piano concerto too so um, I definitely recommend coming along then but um, for me yeah playing the violin has been my as I say it's my golf <laughs> so it's my way of um, uh, you know de-stressing and just enjoying a, a fabulous hobby. So it's important to have something outside of work I presume. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, that's 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 it for me as well as family, obviously. And yet I've often heard that there's a huge link between mathematics and music, which isn't you wouldn't think of, you know, but it, actually music is quite mathematical. Would you agree? Oh, absolutely. It is. I mean, it's 
very mathematical um even when i was studying physics you know we were discussing the 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 maths of sound and so on but um yeah you often find that that people who are very good musicians are also very good mathematics so if you have sort of a go-to song or a piece of music mozart or whatever in your head when you want to kind of push that play button to get yourself out of bed and up and out in the morning is there a couple of songs that you you think do that for you well, this is a, a, a funny one, really, because um, I, I I asked my daughter this question and I said, what song do you think it is? And she said, I know the song it is. And um, obviously from playing the violin, I, I've i played, in, when I was younger, I used to play at a lot of musicals. It was great for gigging and making um, a few quid when I was a student. And uh, and I absolutely love musicals anyway. I, I go to them whenever they're, they're on here. Uh, locally, I was I was actually at um, uh, West Side Story the other night. Speaking of that, again, it's a Bernstein anniversary, hence a lot of Bernstein around this year. And um, the one of my favourite musicals, which I played uh, at one night in the, in the orchestra pit for ten nights on the trot, um, is Carousel. And the song I like from Carousel is "You'll Never Walk Alone." Um, and of course, I'm not even going to mention how most people uh, know that song. But it's to do with football. I'm not even <laughs> going to mention that. <laughs> but it is an amazing song, actually. It's it an does amazing to you. song. It's very stirring, and um, and I, you know, I just it you know it, it just talks about. I mean, the the show is about a woman who's faced great adversity um, on her own, and uh, and gets through it all, you know, you know uh, d- despite everything. And this lovely song is song which is about, um, you know, when you walk through the storm, etc. Hold the head up high and you'll never walk alone. So that's my song. I suppose it comes back to what you started off. It's about courage and, you know, taking that leap and, Mm -hmm. you know, getting getting up and and going, you know. Yeah, very much so. It was a pleasure talking to you. Thank you so much. And uh, we'll have this out soon. That was the multi-talented Adele Creeley of Trilogy Technologies, and she's also president of IBEC. She was playing us out there with You'll Never Walk Alone from the musical Carousel. If you'd like to get in touch with the Women in Leadership podcast, you can email us at info at womeninleadership.ie. You can also follow us on Twitter at Leading Women Pod or on Facebook. Until the next time, from me, Angie Mazzetti and all our team here, goodbye and take care.